Hey you guys, George Crabb here, and I am going to take you to Romans chapter 11, and we're gonna have a great time because in this video, I'm gonna show you uh, how Jacob's most favored son is a huge picture of the father's most favored son, Jesus, and how you're gonna see that and how you can use the Old Testament to show you things in the New Testament. So as we go through Romans chapter 11, we're gonna understand how Joseph's story gives us a, a snapshot, a glimpse, and a an even outline, like a chronological uh, order outline into God's plan with the nation of Israel. It's really excited about this. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to my channel. And uh, we have new episodes coming up. We're gonna be doing a, an episode which is going to go entirely through the whole Bible, like the road to Emmaus, like when Jesus in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus, the resurrected Jesus was walking along on that road to Emmaus with those two disciples and he disguised himself. They didn't know who he was. And he took them through all of the scriptures, the Bible says, showing them where he was found. And it says that their hearts burned. They said later, didn't our hearts burn as he opened the scriptures to us? So Jesus was showing them where he was found in all of the Old Testament scriptures. And I'm going to start a new uh, series, actually, more than an episode. It's going to be a series on the road to Emmaus, on how we can go through from Genesis. We're going to go in a chronological order all the way from the very beginning in Genesis. I'm going to work our way all the way to the last book in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, excuse me, all the way to the New Testament. So real excited about this, you guys. All right, here we go. Uh, this is a, remember, this is a, a picture of the archway of Titus, which you can see in Rome today. This is what it looks like, other than the uh, the, the light above the, the menorah that I put here, showing it, uh, the, it lit like it should be, right? Um, but that's the menorah, and this was a celebration. It was a parade that the Romans had to celebrate that they conquered uh, Israel, and they destroyed the temple, and they took all of these um these spoils of war so to speak which were the the menorah the seven golden lampstand and the table to showbread so i reversed the picture showing it going back to jerusalem because this is what's cool it came to rome and it was opened up to the gentiles right the gentile church was spread throughout the roman empire which was the world but now it's going back and we see in Israel, they've made the menorah again. They're getting ready to build the temple again. And the focus, the spotlight is going back to Israel as they've returned to their father's land, just like that prodigal son. And they haven't fully come back to him yet, but he's already blessing them as they return. So that's a little picture that, uh, that we can look at there. So Romans chapter 11, verse one, we always wanna go to that verse, that first verse in this chapter because it says, has God rejected his people, Israel? Of course not, or certainly not. And it's very emphatic and he's making a, a clear point that God is not done with his nation, Israel. So let's go to verse 23 because we're gonna, we're gonna finish up Romans chapter 11 in this episode, here we go. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, 
and were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, speaking of Israel, the nation Israel, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Isn't that awesome? So he's illustrating, he's using this olive tree illustration and how we were grafted in. Remember those old olive trees? Here's one that's 2,000 years old. And the way it produces olives to this day is they, they cut off those old branches that don't bear fruit and they, they bore a hole into the side of this uh, in olive tree and they stick a branch from a younger olive tree, a different olive tree, and they stick it in there and it grows in and it's grafted and it's taking in the nutrients from that old olive tree, from the roots, the water from the roots uh, that support this tree and then the sap and the nutrients that feed it to, to produce the fruit, which is olives. So it's a great picture Paul's using to show that we are from a different olive tree, us Gentiles, we're grafted in and we're able to become part of this tree. But how much more will it be when the natural branches, the ones who came from this tree are grafted in again, it's going to be a great moment. And he's speaking of the nation of Israel. All right, verse 25, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. And that means all of Israel at one moment in time, the whole nation it doesn't speak of all Israel in history, but it speaks of this one moment in time that God has appointed. So this is a picture, you guys. Very interesting. I like to mix things up a little bit. This is an archaeological find back in 2009, and this is from the Jerusalem Post, where they found these coins in Egypt, and they claim, these Egyptians claim that they were bearing the name and image of biblical Joseph. So Cairo, Cairo's El Ahram newspaper recently reported that the coins were discovered among a multitude of unsorted artifacts stored at the Museum of Egypt. So their find gives archaeological archaeologists scientific evidence countering the claim held by many historians that coins were not used for trade in Egypt. So they were countering that. And, and here at the bottom, it says that a thorough examination revealed that the coins bore the year in which they were minted and their value or effigies of the pharaohs who ruled at the time of their minting. And some of the coins, it says, are from the time when Joseph lived in Egypt and bear his name and portrait, the report said. So these coins are really interesting. If you look right here, you can see a nose. This is like a portrait of Joseph, I believe. But you see a nose, you see an eye looking this way towards here. And you see the curly hair right here. And you can see his long hair, a beard. There's a curly beard. Here's his mouth again. There's his nose again, his eyes looking this, this direction. And I believe that that is a portrait of Joseph because what Egyptian picture looks like that? That is a Hebrew, in my opinion. And, and we could clearly see that. So that's that's a Hebrew. And then here on the other side is an eagle, which is representative of the nation of Israel. Real interesting stuff. And it's kind of fun to look at archaeology, is it not? All right. 
let's keep on going. So this is a place where many theologians, historians, and um, archaeologists believe that the man Joseph may have been when he was in Egypt, when he was prime minister, um, you know, in charge, only second to Pharaoh, in charge of all of the land. And here, this is an interesting place. It's called uh, Saqqara, Egypt, and this is where a man named Imhotep ruled and they believe that this Imhotep character was Joseph and this was under the Pharaoh Dozer and uh, they believe it was the time period now what's interesting about this is this this step pyramid is the oldest one and they also believe that this uh, was covered in white limestone. It's been robbed from this area since then, but they, they believe this is like a beautiful white, pure white city, and it was just beautiful. So this may have been where Joseph ruled from. What's interesting about this place is they found these, these underground uh, storage vaults, basically, where they kept grain, massive, massive amounts of grain. And inside of it, when they first discovered these, they found some petrified grain that dated back to Joseph's time. Very interesting. And that's why they know that these were, were for that. Um, here you see these, these silos, these, these big underground grain silos. And there was like little pipes here that where it would like feed down into this main uh, silo. Here's a drawing of it. So these are like where they stored a bunch of them. And then there was these pipes that would, would bring it into this main silo where people would actually walk down underground. There was like a, a, a causeway or stairway that went down where they can actually walk through here and someone could hand them a portion of grain and then they could just walk out. It's like a one way in, one way out and they would exit. So this may have been in Saqqara, Egypt, the places where they stored massive amounts of grain from that, remember the seven years of great harvest where they could have built it up. And then there was the seven years of great famine over the whole face of the earth. So love that. Love the archaeology and how it proves the Bible. A lot of archaeologists, by the way, even secular archaeologists who don't believe in God, atheists, they use the Bible to find things. So really interesting stuff. All right. So some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, that scripture said, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. It's like that, that olive tree, when that last branch is grafted in to the olive tree, right? That last branch, that last person who comes to Christ. Or in Joseph's story, that last piece of grain was gathered during the great harvest. That last piece of grain put into the silo where Joseph was in charge of it. Then the great famine came and then his brothers who are the sons of Israel, right? The tribes of Israel, they came to him and they were rescued. They were saved by Joseph, whom they thought was long gone, dead out of their lives many years ago. But Joseph's going to, uh, he comes and he says to them, don't be afraid. It's me, Joseph. And they were afraid, but he says, come closer. It's me. I'm going to take care of you. He forgave them and he showed great mercy and grace. And that's the main theme of Romans. It's God's amazing grace and how he offers it to us. So God's grace in Romans chapter 11 is an illustration of God's grace, how he's going to save his people who rejected him many years ago and how he loves them still. So God's grace and the Hebrew word is chesed, H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And what that means is God's loving kindness and his tender mercies. 
loving kindness and tender mercies. You know, I have a my uh, first pastor uh, from Calvary Chapel back in Albuquerque during the early 80s, a man by the name of Skip Heidzig. Check his teachings out, by the way. He's got podcasts and video casts. Uh, he's a great teacher. He's my probably my favorite teacher. But anyway, uh, he said in one of his episodes that him and his friend Joel Os uh, Rosenberg, excuse me, Joel Rosenberg, and Franklin Graham got to go to the prime minister of Israel's office to visit him to Benjamin Netanyahu's office. He thought they were only going to be there for like five minutes. Well, they ended up spending about an hour in his office. And the topic was Jesus, Jesus. And prime minister Netanyahu looked over and he was thinking and he thought, Jesus brought us, brought the world I, and he couldn't think of the word and he was thinking and thinking he couldn't think of it and then he said he brought us and he looked over at his advisor and he said chesed and skip said i know what that means and he goes you do and he said yes that means god's loving kindness and his tender mercies and that's perfect you guys right jesus brought a new level of loving kindness and tender mercies to the world by giving his own life, shedding his own blood and dying on the cross to pay, to be the ultimate sacrifice, to pay for all of our sins. And all we have to do is believe in him and trust him and we can be saved. All of you can be saved. Anyone, doesn't matter how bad you are, what you've done. And you're gonna have an opportunity later in this episode to give your life to Jesus Christ and open your life up to him if, if you are willing to do this. All right. It's your choice. God always gives you choice. Never forces that on anybody. All right. So chesed, great word, great Hebrew word. God's loving kindness and tender mercies. Here's a picture they found in Saqqara, uh, Egypt. Uh, this lower portion right here shows a bunch of Hebrew Semitic people. They're not as dark as the Egyptians and they have these, this clothing, right? This new clothing of many colors. And there's a child here. There's a couple on a donkey there. There's some more of these Hebrew men, these Semitic men with these coats of many colors. And here we go. And they're, what they're doing, and here's two Egyptian officials leading this procession of uh, this possession of people, these, this group. And I drew it up here to kind of illustrate, you can't see the rest of it, but there was a, a large Egyptian man right here with a scepter in his hand and a sickle, which is really interesting because these two Egyptian officials are holding a document and handing it to him. And here you see, which I believe were the 12 tribes of Israel, all of Israel coming to him and being saved. I believe this was Joseph. And it's it's right there on the wall in Saqqara, Egypt. Check it out sometime. You can look at the research that's been done. Pretty amazing stuff, guys. Pretty cool. All right. So verse 26. And so remember that full number of the Gentiles comes in. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. And that's a quote from Isaiah 59 verses 20 through 21, the Greek version. So Paul was using the Bible to illustrate his point here. He was using the scriptures and it's just beautiful. All right, Zechariah shows us a lot of what's going to happen with Israel in the future. The prophet Zechariah. Let's read this. Chapter 12, verse 10 of Zechariah. 
And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, speaking of Jesus, right? They shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. And I put the Hebrew underneath here for my Jewish friends, my friends in Israel, uh, so that you can read it in your own language. And it's beautiful. They will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn. Remember Joseph, when he revealed who he was to his brothers, he wept over each, they wept together. He wept over each one of them, the 12 tribes. And then Benjamin got a double portion of uh, this embracing and, and weeping and weeping of joy that they were back together again, right? So verse 28, and many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news and this benefits you Gentiles. So don't be arrogant. This is a benefit for you that God opened the door for us. Yet they are still the people he loves, speaking of Israel again, because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. And that scripture right there, verse 29, has been misquoted by many in the church. They believe that this applies to Christians for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. No, he's speaking specifically to the nation of Israel for them right, right there. And then up here it says, yet they are still his people, still the people that he loves. The father loves Israel. Did you know that? Jesus loves Israel. We know in Hebrews, the great high priest was always a picture of Jesus and what's over his heart, those 12 precious stones, the 12 tribes of Israel over his heart. And as that menorah, which is a picture of the church, shine brighter, the stones reflected that light and they, they just sparkled over the high priest's heart, which was a picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus, the Messiah. All right. So Zechariah chapter two, verse eight says this, for thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye, the apple of his eye. So the apple of the father's eye is Israel. Did you know that? They still are. That didn't change. They are the apple of his eye. He loves them, you guys. Like the father in the prodigal son story, he loved his long lost son who came back to him, who came to his senses and came back to him. He loved that son. And the other son was jealous, right? But the father told him, hey, don't be, don't be like that, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but that other son was jealous because there was a great celebration. But the father says, we must celebrate because your son was dead and now he's alive again. And this is going to be the same for the nation of Israel. So Romans 11 says, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead, right? It says that in this chapter. Same deal, guys. Here's a quote from Luke chapter 15, verse 31. This is the prodigal son story. And his father said to him, to the one who was jealous. Remember, I, I believe this is a picture of some of the church today who does not think that God has a plan with Israel. And the father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by, my, by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, 
but now he is found. Wow. I believe that the father will say this of his nation, Israel, someday. All right, verse 30. So once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so that he could have mercy on everyone. So this was a corrective action by God, not a punishment to Israel. When Israel rejected Jesus uh, as a whole, when they rejected Jesus back in 32 AD, God wasn't punishing them for that, but he was correcting them because he still loves them, you guys. And that's what a father does. Verse 33, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Be careful of people who think they understand God's decisions and his ways, like fully understand them because they don't. No one does. Verse 34, so for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Paul wrote, this is so good. <laughs> and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back again? God owes no one anything, guys. But he gives us grace. He gives us something good we don't deserve. That's what grace is. He gives us loving kindness and tender mercies, just like Joseph gave to his brothers. They didn't deserve it, but he gave it to them anyway. Verse 36, and this is the last verse in Romans chapter 11, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. All glory to him, glory to God, only to God, right? So good. I love how that was ended in chapter 11. So Joseph's true story, right? Joseph's true story shows us the true story of Jesus. And we see it here in Genesis chapter 50. This is good. This is after Jacob died and his brothers were scared and they thought Joseph was going to come after them. Now that the father's dead, they thought, oh no, he's going to come and, and get us now, right? Because the father was the only one that loved us. No, no, no. Joseph shows him something different. Watch this. So his brothers also came and fell down before him in fulfillment of those dreams. Remember that when they all fell down before him and bowed to him. And fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. And they were so scared here, you can tell. But as for you, Joseph says, they were, they were scared. And Joseph says, Stop it, stop it, basically. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and for your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph showed chesed to his brothers, you guys, loving kindness and tender mercies. One more scripture in Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, chapter 13, verse 6. And one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in your hands? And then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. 
not my enemies, my friends. God calls you his friend, Israel. He loves you. He loves you. And someday you're going to see Jesus's pierced body, his, his wounded hands that were pierced. And you're going to say, who did this to you? What are these wounds? And he shall answer, these are, are which I was wounded in the house of my friends. All right, you guys, this is great. Here's a great picture of the archway of Titus, and you can see the menorah. Again, this is a really crisp picture. And you can see the table of the showbread as it was being moved to Rome after 70 AD of the destruction of the temple. But things are changing, guys, because look here. This is in Jerusalem today, built by the, the Israelis, and it's going to go in their new temple. This is a golden menorah, and it's all ready to go for the new temple. And here's a medallion. This was found in the area of Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, and this is from Solomon's era, and you could see another menorah, the seven golden lampstand here, and this gold was just perfectly preserved for around 3,000 years, because that's what it was, around 3,000 years ago that uh, Solomon had the magnificent temple, this beautiful temple. So it's just kind of fun to show a little archaeology and, and uh, artifacts there. I love that. All right, you guys, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to know him, you want to invite him into your life, to have a new life, to be guaranteed to live forever with him in paradise and not go to hell, you can say this prayer right after me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise from God. So if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to give your life, you'd like to open up your life to Jesus Christ, because right now he's outside knocking on the door. You may feel something in your heart. You may not, but you may feel a nudging. You may feel God saying, let me into your heart. He won't force his way in, but you might want to let open up your life and let him in. Have a tender heart. Why not? Try it. See, see if he's real. But this is a call to believe in Jesus, to turn from your sins and follow him. If this is you, or if you want to recommit your life to him, if you've walked away from him and you'd like to recommit yourself to Jesus, you can do that right now. Just say this simple prayer. You repeat the words right after me. You're praying to God. This is not to me. It's not to your church or anybody else. This is you doing business with God. All right. So pray this prayer right after me if you'd like to receive Jesus into your life. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he was raised to life again and that he's alive today at your right hand. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord, the Lord of my life. From this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, my friend, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. All of heaven is rejoicing right now and celebrating. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who turns to God, turns back to him.
All right, you guys. Hey, God bless you. Looking forward to our next episode in Romans chapter 12 as we continue the series in Romans. We're going to finish the whole book out, and then we're going to have that series on the road to Emmaus, which is finding Jesus in all of the Old Testament scriptures. If you would like that, if you want to learn more about that, you can hit that subscribe button and that bell, and you'll get the alerts from when all these new videos and series come out. So God bless you. George Crabb, signing out.